Interviews and insights with the biggest names in Canadian baseball. This is the CBN Podcast. Welcome everyone back to the Canadian Baseball Network Podcast. We have a very special guest that uh, most people who follow the Canadian Baseball Network should know. And if you don't, you're going to know a lot by the end of this interview. Um, Kevin Clue. Nobody, I would say, other than probably Bob Elliott himself knows more about Canadian baseball history. Um, he's done a, t- a bunch of tireless work with the Canadian Baseball Network as an editor um, and also work with the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame Museum. And most recently, and and very well-deserving, he was the 2022 Bob Elliott Media Recognition Award winner. Um, really looking forward to this conversation, Jackson. So Kevin's a guy who, you know, I've followed for a long time as a as a big Canadian baseball fan. I know a lot of people uh, have as well. What I love about Kevin is the way that he's carved out a space um, in social media for himself that few others have really uh, populated, I think, regardless of Canadian baseball or not, just baseball in general. Like the stuff that he's tweeting and putting out there, the storytelling he's doing, I learn something new every time I go on his timeline and just scroll because I do, (laughs) whether it's just to see what's going on, to see, you know, if there's been a big moment, whether it be, you know, a 10 year anniversary of something or what have you, his perspective on the game, such a wholesome perspective and very refreshing in a day and in an era rather where everybody has a lot of negative things to say. It's such a breath of fresh air to hear from a guy or to, to, read someone like Kevin's work. Um, and I'm really interested to hear a little bit about his process today. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more interesting stats and tidbits that, that we didn't know before we did this interview, but without further ado, let's get to the interview with Kevin. I'd like to welcome our next guest to the Canadian Baseball Network podcast, someone that if you follow the Canadian Baseball Network, you know very well, Kevin Glue. Kevin, welcome. Thank you. All right. So I do want to touch on, um, you know, the big news recently um, of some recognition that you received. I know you don't like talking about yourself, but you were the re- you did win the 2022 Bob Me- Bob Elliott Media Recognition Award. So can I just kind of get your reaction um, to what your reaction when you heard that news? To be honest, it was complete shock. Like I, I had no idea it was coming. Uh, you know, it's it's I was complete shock and I was completely honored, put it that way. I, I've been saying since then, I'll never have an award that means more to me than ha- than one with Bob Elliott's name on it because he's been such an influence on my career, you know, and such a supportive person along the way. But I, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, because I talk to quite a few people in the Canadian baseball community and they say, oh, you knew beforehand, you knew it was going to happen. I had no clue. I really literally didn't have a clue. And I, I never really, I don't really think of myself as someone worthy of an award. I don't really think of myself as that up there so anyways it was i i guess the best way to sum it up is to say i was both completely shocked and and completely honored so where so speaking of being shocked where were you when you found out that you had you were going to be the recipient tell you the truth i was out in my out in my kitchen i was think i was washing dishes or something and scott crawford from the canadian baseball hall of fame called me and he said hey award winner and i said what are you talking about i had no clue uh i and he said come on you know what i'm you know what we're talking about and i said no i don't i don't he said you won the uh the bob elliott award from the canadian or from the uh baseball canada and i said oh wow this is i honestly i was so taken aback i didn't really even know what i talked to scott all the time but i was just stumbling over my words thinking what you know how do you react to this i don't i didn't have a clue what was going to happen but it was uh i mean it made my parents proud so (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't yeah. have any. I keep saying I don't have any kids, so I, I gave them something to be proud of. Uh, about, it's, so. <laughs> it's always funny when writers are lost for words. That happens quite often. It's like we we do this for a living, but how often that we just you know go blank. So, but that's you a good what? blank. So. Yes. Obviously, you interact with Scott a lot with your work with the the Hall of Fame. What was it like to get that call from him specifically and have him deliver that? News? Well, you know, he wasn't Scott didn't formally deliver it. He just kind of informally saw it. But yeah, he, uh, he I, I work with Scott on a lot of different things. I, I've been writing the press releases for years for the Hall of Fame. I've been writing bios for the inductees. I'm years ago. I used to give tours there and that. But but no, as I mean, Scott's a really on top of being uh, somebody who I've worked with for many years. He's just a, a really good friend and somebody who's uh, he's also been very supportive. So I, I always make sure I thank him on whatever I do. But he's there. I think the Hall of Fame, I mean, the, I've been involved with the Hall of Fame for 27 years in some capacity like that. That uh, it's hard to time. think. Yes, it's hard to imagine it's been that long. But to see the way that Hall has risen from being like kind of a you know, almost like well, the first induction ceremony I went to, and there, there might have been, I don't know, might have been 100 people there. And and now it's becomes something where like uh, Jesse Barfield is is thrilled to get into it, you know, or Rich Harden is really excited. He can't believe the call when he gets it. So it feels like I know I'm just a really small part of that, but it feels like we've built it into something that has some real prestige and meaning to, you know, to players and executives and you know it's something that has real meaning now across canada and in north america too i think absolutely so we will get to the hall of fame we will get to barfield and harden specifically i, I want to talk about that a little bit later on but one more thing on the award can you just explain i know for me bob's had a tremendous impact on my career and basically is the reason where i am where i am um tell me a little bit about the role that he's played in your career oh i i can't say enough about him i keep i always tell people and they my my go-to phrase about Bob is that he's a Hall of Fame writer and an even better person. You know, he's he's uh, been a tremendous influence. He's been a, a mentor. He's been someone who's, you know, I can go to when I have a question about something. He's helped connect me with people. He's introduced me to all sorts of people along the way. He's he's offered, you know, really helpful criticism on writing and what I should be doing. And, and this should be in this story and this name should be in this story. I mean, I've just... I've learned so much from him over the years. It's amazing to me because I went through journalism school at Carleton. I graduated in 1996 and I, I read Bob Elliott religiously, you know, and then I think it really my, it wasn't until about 2005 when he wrote his book, the Northern game that I really, I connected with him and wrote an article for MLB.com about his book. And then from that point on, we've kind of just stayed in touch and it's, it's just been, I mean, you know, as you said about yourself without Bob, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. That's for sure. He's just a, tr a tremendous guy. I mean, that's the best part about him is that he's he's a he's the only Canadian with uh, with his his name on the wall in Cooperstown as a writer, and he's just he's got no ego. You know, he's willing to help you know, to do anything. You know, he's a yeah, great guy. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned the Northern Game. You know, how many times I've tried to find that book somewhere, and I cannot find it anywhere. I have his <laughs> book. If these walls had eyes, you, I think you wrote that for about the okay. blue jays yes uh, but i cannot find the northern game anywhere do you have it yeah i actually you know what i could send you a copy because i got two copies so <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll talk about that later yes sure. yes definitely no i have it it's like it's it's almost like i consider it to be almost like 
uh, I don't know. It's one of the most definitive books on Canadian baseball, I think. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned wonderful. Carleton and, and the journalism program. Let's kind of jump back in time. Now, what uh, made you fall in love? Do you remember what made you fall in love with the game and what made you want to get into writing specifically? Well, my dad was a huge baseball fan. Like, I mean, I grew up in Dorchester, Ontario, and my dad uh, used to, he was a Mickey Mantle, New York Yankees fan, but he uh, used to hit me fly balls down our street and our neighborhood. All of our neighbors could remember me chasing fly balls down, just a tennis ball, mind you, but uh, <laughs> we didn't want to break anything. He was a huge baseball fan. He took me to, my my mom was supportive too, of course, but she's a teacher. So she, uh, I guess I'm kind, I'm kind of a mix of my parents. I got my dad's love for baseball, my mom's love for reading and writing. So, so I guess I'm kind of a mutt that way, <laughs> but uh <laughs> But uh, I know that, uh, like, my love for baseball, I think, is from my dad and my also playing games in the front yard with my brother, Paul. And uh, we, my dad took me to all sorts of games at Exhibition Stadium. My whole family, I should say, shouldn't just say my dad. My mom and my dad took me to games at Exhibition Stadium when I was growing up. And I guess the game that I say that I truly fell in love with baseball, I was fortunate enough to be there on October 5th, 1985, when the Blue Jays clinched their first uh, American League East title. I didn't so, know that. I mean, yeah, I didn't know you were there. Yeah, I was there. I still got the ticket stuff. I posted every October 5th on Twitter. I'm like, I still got the ticket stuff. But that's uh, right. That's the game. I was 11 at that time. And that was the game when I uh, truly, I say, I truly fell in love with baseball. I, you know, and that's why the 85 team, people always say, you know, the 92 team, the 93 team are everybody's favorite teams. And I say, no, the 85 Jays, that's my team, you know. <laughs> so, favorite player from that team? You know, I hate to say this because, uh, I just we just spoke with uh, Jesse Barfield, who I was a big fan of. Uh, he was he's right up there. But Tony Fernandez was always my favorite player, my favorite Blue Jays player, I should say. I actually grew up a Dale Murphy fan, believe it or not, which makes no sense in southwestern Ontario. And I couldn't hit like him or, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Tony was my uh, my go to Blue Jays player. But I could, you know, I go around and name the whole infield of that 85 team and the outfield and the probably the bench players too. So <laughs> I guarantee you could name all of them. So that actually gets me to my next point. So I have to ask, and I don't know if I've ever personally asked you this question, but I know people are going to be wondering who who follow you. You have some of the most interesting, obscure Canadian baseball flashbacks and history items in your Twitter every single day. How do you keep track of all that? How do you source all that information without giving away too many of your, t- your, your tips and tricks, obviously, you know, a, a lot of it started from uh, like, I always tell people, and I and I I don't I don't do hot takes on my uh, my Twitter time, on my you know on Twitter or on social media. I try to celebrate, not denigrate. That's what I say. Like so, I and the some of the most uh, obscure Blue Jays and Expos are the ones that I I think people don't talk about them very much. But uh, over the years, I guess I started you know looking at dates on Baseball Reference, and I. I it's all kind of old school. I have all written down on paper and stuff. And then when I see something interesting, I, I always make sure that's one thing that also Bob has taught me, you know, write it down because you'll forget. So anytime I see like an interesting date or I come across something, my research, I have a, I have a page for every date of the year and I go in and write it down. You know, I go in and write down something. So, you know, if, if even like, you know, yesterday I learned about uh, one thing I need to do better, I think I need to do better, is on women's baseball, women's national team baseball. Like, I don't know their birthdays and stuff, but yesterday there was, like, a, a I think her name is Madison Willen from the uh, women's national team. And I didn't know her birthday, and it was on Twitter yesterday. So I, I went in there. I didn't do it in the morning, and I, I didn't have it on my list. And so yesterday I ran in there after I did my list and wrote down her birthday. So next year I'll know 
you know, it sees things like that. I know maybe some ways I need a wife, but <laughs> <laughs> well, if she's but, listening, then she knows that this day next year, she's probably, I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. I want to see that uh, to this day in 2024. Yes. Yes. Well, it'll be on there. It'll be on there. Um, what made you, what is it about Canadian baseball history in particular? Obviously you love the game, all aspects and all eras of the game, but what about, what is it about the history of the game that is so interesting to you? That's an interesting question. I, I think the, a lot of it has to do with my proximity to St. Mary's where the Canadian baseball hall of fame is. I'm not sure before the St. before the Canadian baseball hall of fame was there that I had such a deep interest in Canadian baseball, but I know ever since that museum opened, it opened in 19. 19- 1998 was when they first opened. I was even involved before it was open, but I remember going around there one of the first times it opened and I was just in awe of things. And I thought I knew a lot about baseball, but then I'm, I'm walking along and I, I always say my, my Cooper's Terrors in Canada blog was the, the foundation of that was me seeing a picture of the 1954 Montreal Royals on the wall in the Canadian baseball hall of fame. And Roberto Clemente was in that picture. And I was like, I had no clue. This was a tooth about maybe about, 1998 or 2000 i had no clue that clemente even played for the montreal royals you know so i thought that wouldn't that be cool to start a blog called cooper's towners in canada you know because uh because roberto clemente uh played in canada i didn't know about it so i started doing research about him and i guess everything's kind of gone from there but i i've always loved baseball and i've always loved the blue jays and i've always loved the expos and then i think since it's the proximity i think maybe it's a proximity of the the St. Mary's, like I literally can get in my car and take 25 minutes and I'm, I'm at the museum. So uh, yeah, that, that doesn't hurt for sure. And I'm glad you mentioned the blog because if, if you haven't listened to or read it, um, you definitely should. So I'm, I I like that you mentioned that. So well, speaking of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, I want to kind of talk about this year's class. I know you did a lot of work, um, you know, with different write-ups and stuff, but obviously Jesse Barfield, Denny Boucher, Rich Hard, and Joe Witcher. I kind of want to touch on all of them. Can we just kind of start with Barfield and, and what do you think makes him? We already mentioned him, the 1985 team, but what kind of makes him worthy of induction into the Hall of Fame? Well, I, I always thought, you know, and and I, I as I say, I don't, I don't like to uh, do any do hot takes or anything, but I always thought Barfield, like they got Mosby, they've got George Bell in there, and uh, Barfield to me is arguably the best of the three players. I mean, one thing when he played, nobody knew about war, right? Like wins above replacement, nobody, well. Maybe maybe Bill James did, but or somebody like that. But I didn't. You know, in 1989, I wasn't sitting there thinking about that. But Barfield's WAR is like the fourth best in Blue Jays history, and he only played nine seasons with them. You know, he had that cannon of an arm, like arguably top three in Major League history. He won a he won the American League home run title in 1986, so he could hit as well. And in '85, he he was the second player to Willie Mays to have 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and 22 or in 20 outfield assists in the same season. So, I mean, the guy was a spectacular all-around talent. I mean, his his career may not have been as long as some, but, I mean, for those, say, from about, I don't know, 80, 82 to maybe 88, he was, he was arguably the best all-around outfielder. Well, I wouldn't say best, but up there in the top five all-around outfielders in the – in the major leagues. You know? Those were the exact type of stats that I was waiting for you to throw out, by the way. I knew something <laughs> like that was coming. So let's jump to Denny Boucher. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit that may not know much about him or may not have ever seen him. Denny Boucher, I think like a lot of people, I've heard some people say, well, what's, I, he's not in the, he didn't get in the Canadian baseball hall of fame based on his major league pitching record, obviously. Although he had a, you know, he had a, came up, I uh, pitched for Canada in the Pan Am games in 87, but he came up and, you know, he, Pitched a little bit for the Blue Jays. I think his 
one of the amazing things about Denny Boucher, and this didn't get him to the Hall of Fame, but the first three major league batters Boucher ever faced were Paul Molitor, Robin Yote, and Gary Sheffield. Like, can you imagine walking on the mound and facing those three? You know? As if you were <laughs> nervous enough. Yeah. But he's, you know, he was one of the best things that he did in his major league career. One of the most memorable was he, he on September 6, 1993, he, he pitched in Montreal for the Expos. And that was like a home first time. One of the first times a hometown pitcher had like a start uh, at, at Olympic stadium. And there was like 40,000 people there. I guess it was just Richard Griffin, who was a, he's now a writer and he was with the blue Jays, but he was a PR guy. And he said, he's never seen anything like that. He's never seen an atmosphere like that. And Joe Siddle was catching and Larry Walker was in right field. So it was the first time in modern Canadian baseball history. There were three Canadians in the starting lineup of a Canadian. Well, first time in history for a Canadian team, first time in major league history of modern major league history. So that was uh, one thing that people always mentioned about him in terms of his major league career, but he's really in the hall of fame because he has been a pitching coach with the the national team since 2003. I mean, that's over 20 years. I mean, and he's, he's also a really uh, highly recognized and respected scout too. Like he's been doing that. He first did it with the Washington nationals and he's been doing it with the Yankees since 2010. So he's, I mean, he's, so I've, I've, some people have said to me, you know, why is Boucher in there? And it's not about his major league stats. It's about his contribution to Canadian baseball as a whole. You know? Yeah. And I mean, to, to hold a position of pitching coach for the national team with so many great pitchers and so many great coaches. I mean, that really speaks to, like you said, his contribution, contribution to Canadian baseball. Yes. So yes. we had uh Walt Burroughs on the podcast, uh, a while ago now, but he, he talked a little bit about Rich Hard and gave us some Rich Hard stories. So Tell me a little bit about Rich Harden and why you think he's uh, a rightful pick into this year's class. He was somebody who, like, if, boy, if he could have avoided injuries, I think he would have been one of the, like, he would have been up there with, I mean, he wouldn't have been Fergie Jenkins, but he, I think he could have been Ryan Dempster, you know? Like, he uh, he was spectacular. Like, in certain seasons, he was really spectacular. Like, I think of his, his 2008 season with the Cubs, he split it between the Cubs and the A's, and I think he was, you know, 5-1 and one with a 2 point. This is going to sound nerdy that I remember this, but anyways, five and one with a two point three four ERA in the first half with the A's. Then he got traded to the Cubs, where you think he's going from pitching at the Oakland Coliseum, which is like a pitcher friendly ballpark, to Wrigley Field. You think, oh God, how is he going to pitch in Wrigley? Well, he's five and one with a one point seven seven ERA at Wrigley. You know, it's not nerdy was, at all. I love it. This no. is exactly the kind of conversation <laughs> I wanted to have. <laughs> <laughs> then he had one hundred and eighty one strikeouts and one hundred and forty eight innings, or something like that. I mean. He, he's I think he's one of only two or three Canadian pitchers who've retired with more than a strikeout per inning who've pitched at least 500 innings in the big leagues I mean when he when he was when he was healthy he was one of the best Canadian pitching talents ever I mean he I think he had a, a season with his career and uh, early in his career with the A's where I think his era was 2.53 and 26 starts and he had a, another season where he threw 189 innings and had 11 wins I mean he uh, 3.76, I think, career ERA. He's, he's, uh, I think that in terms of just looking at him in comparison to other Canadians who've pitched in the big leagues, like he's in the top 10 in a lot of the categories. But just for somebody who, when he was healthy, I think was one of the more dominant, I would say, like if you, if you had to look at Canadian pitchers, all the Canadian pitchers who pitched in Major League Baseball, if you had to make a top five of the most dominant when they're healthy, like Rich Harden might be, you know, might be number five or so. And I think a lot of um, younger players probably don't really remember much about Rich Harden, but but you're bang on with that 
kind of analysis right there. So, but let's go yeah. jump to the last guy, Joe Witcher. A little bit less yeah. less well known than the other three, probably from a national perspective. But this guy was an icon in Manitoba baseball. And that guy, uh, I mean, I know I was really, really hoping that he would get in because I think that's one thing the hall does. They have a lot of uh, grassroots executives in there, but we haven't they haven't really elected one since 2017. And that was Ray Carter. And, and Joe Witcher, I mean, he's 87. He's been involved in baseball for seven decades. Like, I mean, if seven decades of giving basically most of that was as a volunteer if seven deck if you can't give seven decades to baseball in our country and not get in the hall of fame the canadian baseball hall of fame then i think we're doing something wrong but he uh was a, a great coach for many years in manitoba he was uh, part of a planning committee for baseball canada he helped form the manitoba baseball association uh he's basically and i haven't been to the manitoba baseball hall of fame have you been there no i haven't okay yeah well I, apparently it's it's one of the best sports museums in Canada. And really? he's the guy who was the, uh, he's the guy who founded it and he's the first manager of it. And he did it all volunteer. Like he, and I guess apparently he has, he actually has an interview archive of every inductee ever in the museum somewhere. You can listen to all these archives. And he is so, the guy is in his, I think he retired, finally retired last year because he has some issues with his eyes now, but he, uh, during the pandemic, like this is how devoted he was during the pandemic when we had the lockdown or whatever. Apparently, he's so devoted to that place that he he wasn't allowed to go in, but he snuck in the back door and worked there every day. Like he was that devoted. I mean, I think there's a, a big place in the hall for people like Joe Witcher. You know? Yeah, and I, I think that's what makes the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame special, too, is guys like that. Obviously, the guys like Hardin and Barfield and, and the, the iconic Blue Jays deserve a place as well. But these grassroots type of guys kind of or what make the hall what it is would you agree with that oh i'm i'm totally for that i think they're i always say these guys are like the lifeblood of a baseball in canada we definitely should have uh there definitely should be a place in the hall of fame for people like joe which i'd like to see more of them in there but but uh i'm a big hall guy i'm a big hall guy in canadian baseball hall of fame and a big hall guy if, if i voted in cooperstown i'd probably be voting for everybody so <laughs> 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 so I'm going to ask you uh, probably one of the most loaded questions I could ask you. Uh, you've covered so many uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremonies and inductees. Who was your favorite interview and why? My favorite interview. Or or I, one of your favorite. I know it's hard to pick one. I'm trying to think. Like I've, I've one of the best guys that I've interviewed, like that I think is, is a, uh, just truly a good guy. I walked away both times, well, two or three times, thinking he's just a good guy as Justin Morneau. I interviewed him last year. He was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in 2000. And, well, he was elected in 2020, but he couldn't come until 2022 because of the pandemic or whatever. But he, uh, you know, it just seems like a really, really good guy. I interviewed him one time, too, in the uh, when he was with the – he won the Tip O'Neill Award, which is a Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame Player of the Year Award. I can't remember what year, but I actually – was down at the Metrodome and got into the clubhouse in there. And he was so gracious with his time, but he's telling me all these great stories about like how he wears a, a Vancouver Canucks t-shirt underneath his Jersey. And it was literally like rotting coming apart. I was going to say, I've seen him do yeah. interviews in it, and it literally looks like someone it's literally falling apart and has holes in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No. And there's, there's been, I mean, over the years, there's been so many, I'm just trying to think like, uh, Geez, Kirk, 
Kirk McCaskill was inducted. He was a he was a pitch in the big leagues for a long time with the uh, California Angels and the Chicago White Sox. And he was uh, he actually was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets as well. So uh, played with the Sherbrooke Jets. He he was that close to being like an NHL slash major league player. You know, uh, one of those guys. So he was the Deion Sanders of the almost the Deion Sanders of of hockey and baseball. Yes, exactly, exactly. Or Bo I, Jackson, I guess. I guess Bo Jackson would be another one to point. Yes. No, exactly. Exactly. And there's there's been a lot of different people. I'm just trying to think back over the years. Like, oh, Jason Bay, how great guy. I mean, I I whenever that stuff comes up online, you know how merciless people are about his tenure with the Mets, you know, like those yeah. New York Mets fans are brutal online. And I I every time I uh see that, I just my heart just sinks because he's such a good guy. I mean, I can tell when I I interviewed him. He's so modest and, uh, and he had his whole, literally his whole family was there that day, uh, uh, when he was inducted and they, the kids, you can, you almost tell how much, how good of a guy is by how much the kids like him, like how much your nieces and nephews like you. And they just worship the guy. I mean, he's one guy, oh, before I forget one guy who uh, was unforgettable, uh, an unforgettable interview is Tom Hankey, uh, the former Blue Jays closer. He told me that, well, I told a group of us, that he met his wife while he was ordering a Big Mac <laughs> at McDonald's. <laughs> he told me that he, uh, you know, as soon as he walked in, he said, I ordered that Big Mac, and I knew I was in love the moment I, I saw her behind the counter and all this. He's, oh, he so was, she was working making She was Big working, Mac. yeah. She was working at the McDonald's counter and when he ordered the Big Mac. so <laughs> What's, What city was that in? <laughs> I think it was in Missouri somewhere. But uh, I know he lives in Missouri now, but, I, geez, I'm trying to remember exactly. It wasn't in Toronto. But it was it was before the uh, before that. But he he was a that's a guy who boy you can understand why he people like him. He's a, a real likable and no uh, no air to him at all. You know as as being one of the greatest closers of all time. But yeah, and that's the thing you see him and you, and you had the you know he's intimidating on the mound. But then you get to know these guys. Same thing with Bay. Like you know sometimes yeah. gets the harsh treatment online, but they don't really know these. No one really knows these guys, right? So it's it's interesting to kind of get a look behind the the scene and. As far as the yeah. Big Mac, as far as the Big Mac goes, that should be your trivia question at any party because no <laughs> one will ever get that. <laughs> so, yes. jumping around here, what uh, if you had to pick an era of Canadian baseball? Is there a favorite or one that you prefer the most? Um, you know, whether it's the way the game was played or the selection of players that played during that time. Jeez, I'm trying to think that. That's it's funny because I grew up in the eighties and there was barely any Canadians uh, playing in the big leagues at all. At that point, like Terry Poole was my, uh, was a soul. I mean, aside from the tail end of Fergie Jenkins career, uh, Terry Poole was like the sole regular Canadian. That's why I always, you notice my Twitter feeds full of Terry Poole references, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think like my favorite era. It's interesting because might be the era. Like I, I, one thing when I was on the phone call, this induction phone call for the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame last time, one of the questions I asked uh, Rich Harden was, uh, you know, 1981 was a great year for baseball in British Columbia because that year Rich Harden was born, Jeff Francis was born, and Justin Morneau were all born in the same year, all born in British Columbia, all played in the BC Premier Baseball League against each other. Like that was, you think about that, you think yeah. about and all three all impact players, like at one point were you know, elite players on each of their teams. I yeah, mean, so absolutely. That yeah, that's a good year for yeah. That's definitely that might be the best year in BC baseball history as far as players yeah. being born. And I was I was trying to think. You know, the way my trivia mind works. I was trying to think: is there any 
like in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, is there another year where there's been three Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame inductees born? You know, and then on top of that, three Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame inductees born in the same province. If, I doubt it. But. If you don't know the answer, I don't think anyone knows the answer. And, if, <laughs> and I know you'll find it if, if you don't already know it. The Baseball Zone's most semi-private clinics are coming back for a new spring session. Small classes, more one-on-one instruction from top coaches, and access to all the best baseball technology. From the end of April to early June, you can further develop your hitting or pitching skills as you enter the summer season. Sign up today at thebaseballzone.ca before they're gone. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have covering Canadian baseball. How do you, how has the coverage changed over the years and has it gotten better? I think it's gotten better, obviously, but from when you started to now still covering Canadian baseball, what's kind of the difference? I think the difference now is, and I'm, you know, I'm in this middle age where I'm kind of like, like, I'm not a, a podcast, generally not a podcast guy. I don't mind doing this or whatever. Like I, but I don't, uh, I don't, it seems like ever, everybody out there either has some sort of an online thing, you know, or they're, where they're doing uh, that or, or, and, and social media is a lot of like, if you want to get a real lot of action, you have to do like these hot takes, you know, or have some sort of outlandish opinion. And, and uh, I just, I don't know. I, I sound like an old, I sound like an old fogey when I say this, I think there's a real lack of sensitivity out there. Like in, in some cases, I like, and that's why I've kind of created my, Twitter feed to be something that celebrates, you know, Canadian baseball. Maybe that makes me a bad journalist, you know, in some ways that I'm just celebrating and not criticizing, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's that with social media now, we, we see the negativity more than when it was just newspapers, you know, yeah. like <laughs> you never, if unless somebody took the time to write a letter to the editor or something, <laughs> uh, you'd never read anything negative, but now it's just almost, if you go on there and, uh, you know, if you go on there blind thinking that everything's going to be perfect, there's a lot of negativity on there. But I, I do think the coverage is coverage is better now. There's more people doing covering Canadian baseball. It just, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little bit romantic too about uh, the times when I could pick up the paper and read Bob Elliott's column, you know, in the Toronto Sun or the Ottawa Citizen, uh, Richard Griffin in the Toronto Star, you know. Yeah. So, so I was all, I was just having that conversation with somebody the other day about I miss picking up a paper in the morning and reading it, like having the physical paper. There's something about that that was very satisfying. I still have a physical paper. I know that makes me an old, uh, <laughs> a dark, a dinosaur. The London Free Press. It's getting collectively, it's getting smaller and smaller. Soon, uh, soon it's going to be. They're just going to be delivering me like a. a eight and a half by 11 inch piece of single piece of paper. But, <laughs> but I still, uh, I still read it every morning. So, uh, but there's not, not much baseball in there. I mean, it's, you know, they, sometimes they put a, a Rob Longley article in there from the Toronto sun or something, but it's, so I don't really know whether I answered your question very well, but uh, I, I'm kind of torn. As they say, I, I think the coverage is better. I just, I'm not, I think the coverage is more extensive. I'm not sure that it's better, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when, when coverage, becomes more extensive and more in the public eye you're going to get those characters that seem to want to throw the hate out there i think that just comes with the territory now yeah i should also say i mean getting a plug in for the canadian baseball network and and the work that somebody like you does on twitter and on the canadian baseball network that's what i call excellent you know i love that i love what you you. (laughs) and i love what the canadian baseball network does i want to be clear about that I just feel like some somewhere along the way it became a little bit more about 
hot takes and opinions on maybe that's more general about sports. I don't well, know. I think social media gave people voices that can now reach further than they ever have before. And that's not always necessarily a good thing. No, exactly. exactly. So last question for you, and this is more of a general question, just your love of history of the game. So I'm going to give you the commissioner's hat for a minute. If there's something that you could change in the current game, what would it be? Jeez, that's a good question. That's I know my, question. I'll know my, I know mine and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say it after you give yours. Maybe more, more stuff that could, kind of speed up the game i'm trying to think of what else like I, there's a lot of people who are like thought it was sacrilege when the the national league got a designated hitter you know i i didn't really have that much of an issue with that although you know somebody like fergie jenkins uh i'm sure he was a he was a great a really good hitter so i'm sure that he they, like the texas rangers used to and a few games they batted fergie jenkins when they had the option of having a designated hitter so uh that's another I, interesting tidbit that a lot of people might not know yeah, yeah. It's funny because of all this of all the useless information that's in my head, and you know there's a lot of baseball information. I don't I don't I guess I don't dwell a lot about rules, but I would like to see uh I guess I kind of just accept them, which some maybe I shouldn't be that accepting, but I, I would like to see the game sped up a little bit. Now the question is how to do that, but I'd have to think about that one some more. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say mine would be we need to get a team back in Montreal. Oh yeah, well that's that's a perfect one. Yeah, I, I, I went to the Blue Jays. Uh, they're playing Pittsburgh. You know how they used to do that uh, two game series before the regular season started. Back, uh, yeah, haven't done that. They haven't done that in a few years. But uh, just going to the old ex- or, uh, Olympic Stadium. I know they would need a new stadium, but there's just something about that market that I think deserves a baseball team. Oh, definitely. I think. Uh, I mean, if they. I wish a company like, and I'm just totally dreaming on this, but I wish a company like Bell would get behind them or something, you know, and build a new stadium. I, I do think that they, uh, you know, there was about about 10 years ago, I thought there's no no chance in heck there's ever going to be a Major League Baseball team ever in Montreal. And then I think after those exhibition series that you saw there, I I kind of got excited again. You know, I found myself getting excited. Then there that plan to have half a team, you know, and half a team in Montreal and half a team in Tampa. I I would have accepted that, you know. I would have been ba- it would have, at least there would have been some major league baseball. We know? might we might be biased, but I would also have accepted that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I I know that's a, that's a really good one. I should have thought of that, but uh, that's that would I could definitely go for that. I know some people have said there should be a team in Vancouver, but I don't know about I don't know I don't know enough about uh, the demographics out there. They go from a high A team to a major league team. That's a big jump, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but but Kevin, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate this conversation. I know a lot of the listeners will, will love it. And just thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks a million for having me. All right. Well, that's our interview with Kevin Glue. If you didn't learn something, I, I think I might have to call you a liar because I learned a lot during that interview. The stats and the and the tidbits and everything that he knows, Jackson, about Canadian baseball history really is incredible. It's uh, it's unbelievable. He is an encycl- encyclopedia uh, in human form when it comes to baseball. What I loved was the line he had, I like to congratulate, don't denigrate. I think that that is, maybe it was celebrate, don't denigrate. Regardless, um, that to me uh, just sums up everything about Kevin, his online presence, the work that he does. But I just, you know, I think if more people had that mentality, I think not just in sports, certainly not just in baseball, but I think online, I think the world would be a lot better place. Kevin is, um, 
like I said in the intro, just such a unique figure in Canadian baseball and so important too. So many young fans growing up don't know a lot about the Jays in the 80s, right? I was born in 2000, okay? So I have no waking memory of Jays in the 80s, the 85s, you guys talked about 1985. So just learning about that and 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 the storytelling and about the Expos too, right? All that stuff to me as a young Canadian baseball fan is invaluable. Um, what a treat this was today, Matt. Yeah, and as you try to attract new baseball fans, you know, it's important to know the history like that. I mean, like I, I mentioned, a lot of people listening to this might not even necessarily remember watching Rich Harden. Kevin gave us his first half stats with the Oakland A's and second half with the Chicago Cubs. Like not many people can do that. And like you said, his, his presence online, it's a true celebration of the game. And I think that is missing and it's very well appreciated to his followers. If you're not following him, go follow him. Um, his blog, Cooperstowners in Canada is fantastic. Go give that a read. Um, you'll be hooked. Uh, and just an, another great interview with a, a great Canadian baseball ambassador. That's it for uh, this episode of the Canadian Baseball Network podcast. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to also follow the Canadian Baseball Network and hit the subscription button on CanadianBaseballNetwork.com. $2 a month or $20 for the year. Until next time, talk soon. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And the Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college, and youth baseball players.